Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another great interview. This week, I am joined by Heather, who is an artist and a poet from North Carolina, and she is sharing so much wisdom and inspiration, and she is walking us through her experiences as an art student and how she worked her way through 90-hour-plus work weeks to become debt-free after graduation and how she is now making a living in her chosen field, which is art, which is usually a pretty challenging field to make a full-time living in. And she is answering all of our questions about how to start a business. She's sharing advice for aspiring entrepreneurs because we know that launching a passion project and turning it into a business is something that sounds like a huge undertaking and it brings up so many fears and doubts and questions. And when people start exploring the idea of becoming an entrepreneur, it just is a whole new world. So whether you are considering a side hustle or a work from home project or turning this into a full-time career, we are sharing some steps that you can take and savvy ways for you to prepare well to turn your passion project into something that brings you a profit. And so this was just a really great conversation. So we spend about the first half of the episode or so digging into Heather's personal journey through art school and just her debt-free journey and all of her experiences. And then about halfway through or so, we start to dig into the questions that y'all had about becoming an entrepreneur and starting a business. And so we dig into a lot of those kinds of questions and all some of the logistics and things like that. And so we just we really go through a lot in this conversation and it was just so great. And I've known Heather for a while. She's done some graphic design work for me. But it was just really nice to sit down with her and ask her some questions and get to hear a little bit more about her journey, some things that I didn't know. And we had a lot of fun in this episode. And so I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's jump into the interview. All right, everyone, I am here with Heather, and I am so excited to dig into this conversation. Welcome, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi, everybody. So me, in short, born in Chicago, moved around a bunch as a kid, raised mostly in Wilmington, North Carolina, where I met V, and her and I have, if you guys don't know her, she's a frugal fox. I grew up with her, basically, and lifelong passion for art which led me to multiple degrees in art, in art history, one from Appalachian State, and then one from Leiden University in the Netherlands. And that also led me to my debt. It's kind of the only debt like I've had, and I got rid of it this past year. So that's been really exciting. Um, and yeah, so now, uh, since I've gotten rid of my debt, I basically am a full-time artist with caveats. Like I have a couple other jobs, but they're all art related which is kind of what I wanted for myself. I wanted to build a life around the arts and around art, not just art, but also like art that there's a social outreach aspect to it. So like one of my jobs is at a community art center and we frequently do outreach. And so that's basically it. I do graphic design too, which is where a lot of people know me from. So that's how we connected. Yes. So if anyone has seen the logo for my control your crazy course, that was yours. It was gorgeous and perfect. And it was like exactly what I wanted. So I've been obsessed with you ever since then. Yay. You know, um, no, your art is, is beautiful and amazing. Like on another level. So I do like, I spend my free time like drawing like cartoons and stuff. And it's like a whole, like, you're just like a whole nother level. Like so legit. It's how I control my crazy. 
Because if it's, I don't do it, I get a little crazy, you know? It's how I control my mind. Like, it has yeah. been so helpful to me. It really started, um, you know, like when everyone started with the whole like adult coloring mm-hmm. books and all that. And I was, my mom was like super into it. And I was like, this is so lame. Like, I color like Minnie Mouse pictures with my daughters all day long. Like, why do I need one of these books? And it was just like, the patterns and the color. And then I was like, so into it. Yep. And then I started going to therapy and she was like, you need a break from your phone. Like you need a break from mm-hmm. the world. Like, what are you doing? And so then I really got into like drawing and like doodling. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be my thing. And now I'm like obsessed. And yes. I love it's, that. So, it's so good for the soul. It like, is. even if like, you're not great at it, like whatever, it's just something that is you know, not staring at Instagram all day long. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like that's just, that's good for the soul. Yeah. So I want to know how you, how did you transition from like the student and the student loan debt to where you are now and, you know, being debt free? Are you a hundred percent debt free now? Is that what you said? Um, I'm a hundred. Well, I mean like, like, so I use my credit card to pay everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I like pay it back immediately. So like, I'm like $70 in debt right now. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's just, so, that has to weigh on you. <laughs> you know, if you get really disciplined about it, yeah. Like I'm totally going to get the free points. Yeah. I've found that I've had that control where I can like, like clockwork uh, every Sunday I pay it off. I sit down and pay it off and that's, that's that. So that's, yeah. Aside from the 70 bucks, yeah, I am debt free, That's amazing. which is really exciting. It was a long road. Uh, after I graduated, I stayed in Holland for a little bit. I had several good internships and then I came back home. My father had some financial issues or he lost his business. So I came home to kind of like hang out with them and figure out also just figure out my life and um, my loans were set up so that it was a quick payoff Mm -hmm. but prior to that I'll be honest like I didn't realize how much $500 which is what I would have to pay back was per month like Mm -hmm. in my brain and I think it's because I grew up pretty poor but like I don't know why it just didn't feel like that much like I just think that when I was in school, I didn't think about the debt at all. And then I got out and I got hit with my first bill. And I was like, wow, $500 in a year is like however much money. And I could be buying a house right now, or I could be doing XYZ. And like, so I don't regret my degree because I've been able to use it actually, which is also super rare, but I do regret not thinking through what five hundred dollars dollars a month looks like in Mm -hmm. a real way so when I realized that I owed something to somebody which is like another thing that bugs me is I don't like owing things to anyone yeah I've always been like that I kind of went into overdrive and I got a corporate job and I worked there for three and a half four years and that paid off the majority of my loans on top of um, like two extra jobs, on top of graphic design, on top of doing art. So I was like working like maybe 90 hours a week for a good two and a half years, two and a half, three years. I was bartending too, which was actually pretty fun. Um, yeah. But, it's probably more fun than the corporate job for oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And the corporate job was like a nightmare. It was like selling my soul, which yeah. made me want to get out of debt faster too, because like no hate on anyone who likes corporate jobs. The only reason that I didn't like it that much, I'll be real, is I'm not a morning person and having to be somewhere at like 8.30 in the morning, I know that seems so childish, but it killed me. I was Really what gets me is like having to be somewhere at a certain time and having to wear what they want you to wear. Yeah. That seems so silly. Mm-hmm. And but maybe uh, that's, I, I was homeschooled the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. So that is so much in my DNA of like, yeah, I'll get it done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can do it while wearing sweatpants. Yeah. I'm fine, yeah. you know? And so that's a lot of like, I, I worked at Target in college and I only made it nine months at Target. And all I was doing was being a cashier. Like it wasn't 
but it was so just monotonous mm-hmm. and it was so I had to wear their stupid red shirt. Yep. No, I <laughs> and I was just like, no. I did two wow. days at uh, Old Navy and that's as far as I got. Yeah. Two days. Could not do it. Um, the corporate job was like, it was pretty cool because I had a pretty, I was the marketing director and um, they were a pretty big company. They were like a multi-million dollar company. And so uh, what, and I also have like a chemistry minor and they were, um, they sold nitrogen generators. So like I was able to use something that I never thought I would ever get to use. And I should say too, I got a full scholarship into the, into my undergrad. So I didn't have any debt from there. I just had all my debt from my graduate school. So uh, when I went to my undergraduate, I ended up with like a, like five different minors because I didn't want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept getting them, just kept going because they were also free too. So I was like, no way I would ever leave that. Yeah. So I also think that's another reason why like, I didn't realize what it's like to pay back debt because I hadn't had it until my graduate degree. So, so do you, with the corporate job and like how much you had to hustle to get that debt paid off, looking back, would you have done it any differently or would you have still done it the same way? Um, I think I would have done, I probably would have been out less, Mm -hmm. but also not that much less because I lived in a foreign country and I wanted to get like all the eats in while I could. (laughs) So like, aside from that, and I, I would have paid attention, actually. Actually, I would have paid more attention to terms because that's what really got me were the terms. And I had options, too, when I did the terms. But, you know, I just I wasn't really paying attention to that. And I think that's something that people don't really acknowledge is when you sign on to that debt, it's not even not paying attention. It's not knowing to pay attention. Like, it's not there's no exactly. guidance. And, you know, I feel like that's something that should change. And part of my responsibility is I have a younger brother and sister who are one's in college and the other one will be going to college and you know I had a talk with them about listen college is really good it's great but figure out really what you want to do and know what you're signing up for so like when I went to college I knew what exactly what I wanted to do and I've been super fortunate to be able to do it but it did take some time and it did take some work and I just kind of try to impart that knowledge on them and I feel like they have like soaked it up a lot because one is my sister is in school and she's got a full scholarship to swim so she gets it and I think my brother I I hope he gets it yeah so were you a first generation college student um no my dad went uh and he went for seven years so he had a lot of fun at college Mm -hmm. and um my mom went but she and they met that's where they met is at college but Mm -hmm. she dropped out when she got pregnant with me. So same. My mom did the same yep. thing. <laughs> yep. She was just like, okay, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. My, for me, I was the first, I'm the oldest child. And so I was the first one to go to college. I mean, my mom kind of went, but I was the first college graduate. And okay. so there was so much that we didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like what you said, like we didn't know to look over terms. We didn't know to do that. And I took it even a step farther and I didn't know so much that we were, we were very fortunate. My husband had his career that he has right now, mm-hmm. the majority of the time I was in college. And so we cash flowed a lot of my college, but what we couldn't cash flow, you know, we did like payments and like all that spread out over the semester. And what we couldn't pay, we put on a credit card. And now I look back and I'm like, cause all I, all I knew was student loans are bad. Student loans are bad. And no one ever taught me any different. I didn't ask mm-hmm. me questions. Mm-hmm. Anything I couldn't pay with my debit card, I just paid online with my credit card. And I now I'm like, that was so stupid. You could have got like deferred. You could have got like super mm-hmm. way lower interest rate. Mm-hmm. And oh my God. So we had our biggest credit card, which we still had it until it was our very last consumer debt. Mm-hmm. And and some of that school was tied up in there. And it was like 12 or 13,000 at one point total on that credit card so a little like you know a few hundred here a few hundred there was school books and things that we couldn't cash flow so looking back I'm like maybe I should have gotten a little bit of a loan like done something other than just put on a credit card but all I knew was student loans are bad so I'm like I'm just gonna avoid them like the plague right I'm gonna just you know so fun so all I knew is and my dad was mostly like middle lower middle class like definitely my mom was very poor. Credit cards for her weren't even an option. So for me, my first credit card, I I didn't get it until like maybe three or four years ago. 
actually I didn't get one until I read about Dave Ramsey and he was like don't get one and then I got one I was like okay (laughs) well I'm gonna get one because they offer you free things as long as you pay it off and I'm like again I don't like owing anybody so I'm just like okay I'm gonna just pay it off every Sunday get the free points or whatever and I've never had a problem with it before so you know knock on yeah knock on wood wood (laughs) I don't have any wood around me but yeah I didn't even think i I didn't even think about like credit cards being a solution for me. Um, yeah. I just really thought that they were like a rite of passage. And I just thought that when you're 18, you just get a wallet full of them and that's what you do. And that's what adults do. And it's just so normal. And that's why also I'm, I'm leaning towards now, this is what phase I'm in with credit cards. I'm leaning now Mm -hmm. towards getting a card for the rewards. I haven't even done it yet because I'm just, and I've been debt free for over two years, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I still, I'm like so scarred from it that like, I don't just, well, I don't know. It's not, and it's not meant for some people. Like I will say, like, yeah. you know, I have friends who just don't want to even mess with them because if something does happen and you end up with all this credit card stuff, like you got to pay for it. And it's a lot. It's like 21% for interest rate or something crazy. Oh yeah. And so yeah. like, and I have friends that just don't even don't want to mm-hmm. mess with it. And I totally get that. So since we're on that topic, will you tell me, your other problems that you have with Dave Ramsey and your, your truth, speak your truth. So, uh, well, I think that Dave Ramsey has a good system, but I think, so this has to do with B is that when she (laughs) first started doing Dave Ramsey, she did him to a T. Mm -hmm. And so at the time I was actually living with her and her ex-husband, she gave me Dave Ramsey and I read it like in a night. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is really, a lot of it's really great, except for the fact that it is tailored to married couples. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, how do I even start this when I am tef- when I'm definitely not of his demographic? Right. And it came, I, I think actually, I've seen this change in the past probably year or so of the financial community where people have really figured out, you know, Dave is a tool. Dave Ramsey's a tool and he is a tool that is it's not one size fits all it's Mm -hmm. a tool made to be like used however you can use him and his philosophies some of them are great some of them work for me some of them don't I think it's really important to realize that it's okay for everyone to have a different journey on their finances and when you're super harsh someone over their choices which are their choices it's not your business then not only not only are you throwing out a perspective that you could learn from but you're like alienating the people around you by doing that yeah and i've heard from a lot of just people in my community mostly where they've said you know like we started with dave ramsey and like it didn't work for us or we fell off the wagon or whatever and i really think that which is i mean it's where we started mm-hmm. because i feel like it's a great like a 101 budgeting, you know, kind Mm -hmm, of thing. mm -hmm. And I think as you grow, like you start to adapt, you know, adapt it to your own thing. And that's what a lot of people, I think that it's so rigid and it's so unapologetic Mm -hmm. that you can't like, you can't adapt it. And you can't like, if you try to even pay off your debt in the wrong order, like you'll get like attacked on social media and like all this stuff. And so crazy. And I'm just like, I mean, you do you. And that's what I tell people all the time. I don't care if you do the snowball, the avalanche or some kind of mixture. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Just like get your money straight. Mm-hmm. Like don't be done with your money anymore. That is like it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what you do. I don't, I, you know, I don't care how it looks. Just yeah. be smart with your money. That's like it and do it your way. I will give this out. I will say about his advice in terms of long-term investment, um, I would check out different strategies aside from his. Just personally, the way he describes his long-term strategy, it's it's not for everybody. And I would definitely, there's tons of other options to explore. Um, And if I were everyone, I would explore all of those options. Yeah. That's what I've, I've heard is like his, we're just kind of getting into the phase where we're starting to think about investments above and beyond 
what we're required to invest in my husband's 401k. Mm-hmm. So we're just like getting into that. So I'm just kind of doing my own research and things like that. And from what I've heard people say, his investment advice is very, very um, conservative. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Like, like a very, like, you're not going to get super rich from <laughs> this advice, yeah. but also again, you know, thinking of his normal demographic, when I first started thinking of it, I was like, that's crazy. Like that was so much better than any future, any long-term investing that I had ever dreamed of. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this kind of sounds possible. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, oh, I can actually do even better than that. That's cool. So maybe for, I mean, I guess he knows what he's doing. He's a multimillionaire. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that that's pretty conservative investing advice. You can actually do even better than that. And actually, um, Dave Ramsey doesn't follow his own advice in terms of that stuff. So just remember that. Interesting. Um, and, like investing advice? Yeah. From what, I mean, we, I don't, no one knows his personal uh, financial investing, but like I read a couple yeah. articles where they were like, yeah, there's no way with what he's making, there's no way that he is following that advice to a T. So consider that also when looking yeah. at how to invest. Yeah. Investing is necessary and important. Yes, that's definitely where I am right now. So I'm, it's exciting, but scary, but (laughs) it's fun. I mean, the markets are crazy, but like, it's still cool to, to watch your money work. I know. I just, that's what I just told my husband. I was like, we really need like to start like at least airlines and stuff like that. Like we need to buy some stocks, like do some things. Mm -hmm. Like now is the time. (laughs) So look into ETFs. They're easy. They're a little easy. Okay. Okay. I'll have to remember that. So um, we talked a little bit about the jobs that you've had to work over the years towards paying off your debt and stuff. So what are you doing now towards of like maintaining your art business? Are you doing that full time? Are you working other side hustles? Like how is that going currently? Well, so I, like I said, I, I built all of my jobs around art because that's what fulfills me. That's what I want to do. I also am super lucky, again, to be able to use my degree, which um, is, it's uh, basically how social media interacts with, like, art institutes or art museums. Um, Mm -hmm. I work at a community art center right now, and that is where I get to use that. I do lots of art programming there. I'm only there a couple days a week. And then um, I also work at an art gallery, because I felt like it was really important to know how a gallery functions as an Mm -hmm. artist. So a lot of the jobs I'm doing, I will eventually leave and just do art for, but they're there to ascertain a certain knowledge base. Mm -hmm. So those are the two jobs that I have like physically going in and that kind of thing. And they're great. I don't want to leave, which is (laughs) hard (laughs) because both jobs are really, really fun. Um, and they also provide a social outlet instead of me just being like in my bat cave all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand that. That's yep. for, I mean, that like doing interviews like this, this is the majority of my adult interaction oh, <laughs> is doing stuff like this. So, um, especially when my husband's at work, cause he's gone for three weeks. So oh, wow. yeah. So I'm just like, ah, you know, I totally understand that. I want to pause right here for just a second to tell you a little bit more about the Robinhood app. So you heard Heather and I talking a little bit about buying individual stocks. Well, in the meantime, since we recorded this interview originally, I have downloaded the Robinhood app through recommendations from different people in the debt-free community, several people, in fact, and so I decided to check it out for myself. So I've been using it for a couple weeks now, and it's been really fun and really exciting, and I know that the stock market is in a really crazy place right now, but as a lot of people are saying, stocks are on sale, like they are so cheap, and so if you have the extra funds right now to invest in the stock market, Robinhood is a really cool place to start if you want to do this. So you download this app and you can buy individual stocks. So you can search for all of the major companies. And for me, I'm just experimenting with airlines. I am not an expert in this at all. I am very much so a beginner, but I wanted to share my journey with you guys and my experiences with you guys as I learn a little bit more about this. So when you sign up for Robinhood through my referral link, which you can find in the show notes, of course, 
we will both receive one free mystery stock. So it has been really fun as people have been using my referral link. I get to get a mystery stock and see what it is. One of my shares is from Ford Motor Company. Another one was from GameStop, just a mystery share. So although I am not a stock market tycoon by any means, it has been just a fun way to invest and do something a little bit different while the stock market is down and stocks are so cheap right now. So if you are interested in learning more about buying individual stocks, check out the Robinhood app and remember to use the link in the show notes so we both can receive our free mystery share of stock. So I did ask my audience some questions as far as like, the entrepreneur side. And I would really like to, to ask my personal question for you was what advice you would give people who want to get their money straight to be able to pursue their creative passions? Because I see this a lot and I see it a lot with women. I see it a lot, a lot with mothers that they're just like, you know, I would just much rather stay home, work on a passion project, make a good bit of money on it and be able to, you know, to be there for my family and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But you know, the money doesn't line up. They need to be a two income family or, you know, it's a single mom or a single woman and you know, she's got to pay the bills. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to those women who, you know, that is their, that is their big vision in life is to get to being able to pursue that creative passion as a career. So my first piece of advice is don't join an MLM. MLMs (laughs) are designed to take your money. Don't do it. My second piece of advice probably is plan, create a path for yourself. Mm -hmm. I knew I would have to work for three years at 90 hours a week. And during that time, I knew where every single cent went. So like planning and budgeting are just so essential in terms of having the financial padding to start to think creatively. Um, And then my next piece of advice is, would be to carve out that creative time, no matter what you're doing. Um, Because if you're not being creative, then what's the point of you trying to, you know, make money off of it or whatever, like make time to do what you love. And when you make that time, what typically happens is, and make time and share it too. Share what mm-hmm. you're doing with the world. Because what happens when you do those two things is sometimes a lot, a lot of times, if you give it enough time and love, people will come to you mm-hmm. and ask you for stuff. You know, when they see that you have a talent or a creativity, they will be curious of you and your story. And a lot of times that's followed by money. So have a plan and also in that plan, make time to be creative and do what you love to do. Yeah. And I, I am a firm believer in the intentionality spilling over. Mm-hmm. And I have just found that when I do take that time for creative outlets and things like that, that it spills over into every other aspect of my life. And then I, yep. I end up showing up as a better mother, as a better wife, as a better person for my audience, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. because I showed up for myself first. And like, I did that. I I followed that creativity and I just, I think that that's so important. And it it seems, I think that that's like a missing piece that a lot of financial experts don't give Mm -hmm. is like doing that heart work, that soul work. And, you know, and I feel like you're, you're never going to get your money straight because you're never going to have that passion. You're not going to have that fire in you if you're not taking care of yourself. It's like, what's the point of a hustle if there's no joy in anything you're doing? Right. If there's no end goal. Yeah. And that's why I, I actually just wrote a post about my husband and his job. And, you know, he's had this career for 14 years and he works offshore on a boat and he's gone for three weeks, home for three weeks. And so we've done this for almost 14 years and we've been together, you know, this entire time plus mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. and we've done this together for a long time. Wow. And the first eight years of doing that, we did it for paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. There was no future. It was just, you know, scraping by always stressing over money always. Mm-hmm. And then the last six years, we've actually got it together and, he's had the whole, he's had the same career the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. And we've added three kids in the process, you know, and 
we've been able to make all this progress, but the difference was our vision changed, mm-hmm. our passion changed. And like, we actually know why we're working so hard now. Mm-hmm. And so like when he gets homesick or when I am just overwhelmed by solo parenting for three weeks, or the girls just miss their daddy, which happens, mm-hmm. we all five can stop and go, this is why we're, we're doing it now to cash flow boats and like invest yeah. and not to just pay bills and, and buy groceries. Yeah. And so it changes like your, your motivation when you have that goal. That is such and, an aco- accomplishment on your end. Like that is really having that you. realization <laughs> and having that thought process. It's really something to be very proud it's, of. I mean, it will completely change your entire life. And like what you were saying about, you know, being able to get through those few years of that hustle because you knew what your end goal was. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would have let that beat them down and would have just stayed in that pity party for like 10 years. Well, I have student loans, poor me and worked a job that they hated for like 10 years mm-hmm. and just, mm-hmm. well, this is just how it is for our generation. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. And I see it and I know people who are doing that. I know people who like, it's crushing their soul. It's ruining their marriages, their social lives, like all these things. Cause they're just sad. Like yeah. they've just lost that passion and that fire. Yeah. And I also don't think too, there is a financial literacy gap for sure. And I think that's gotten better a lot in the past couple of years. I feel like our generation is, is definitely changing things. Oh yeah. We were the hamsters that got experimented oh, yeah. on. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. And I know like my kids, like their generation, they have a whole new world that they're coming into because people like us have been raising. We've, we've learned our lesson. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm excited for them. Man. Like I said, my little sister has got it together. She's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to any debt. Even my cousin who just graduated last year, she was just like, okay, I saw you struggle through it and mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. And so she, graduated she did have to take out some student loans but she ended up only taking out like seven thousand dollars which is incredible it's not not bad by comparison at all I think the average is like 30 (laughs) yeah mine was for the record mine was 35 well it's not as bad as a lot of people's a lot of people would definitely trade you (laughs) yeah no for sure and it it was a cool degree it was a cool program I well I lived in the Netherlands for like a year and a half and that was with living expenses because I've always been frugal. I did get into one program, for instance, if I had stayed, it would have been $180,000. And I couldn't even <laughs> imagine that. Like, that's a whole house. And that's a nice house. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's in, in my area. It's a really nice house. And so that's a really nice house here. Yeah, it's above yeah. average. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so like, it's this really great school and it's prestigious and all that. And I was like, there's no way I'm going like 180,000. And that wasn't even for living expenses. That was just the schooling. So mm-hmm. no supplies, no living expenses. It was a program in Chicago. Like, so it would have been expensive to live there. Like, mm-hmm. no, no. You would have had to work 90 hours a week for a lot of years. For many, many years. I'm, and I'm tired. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of lazy. I'm not super lazy. <laughs> I mean, like, anybody's lazy when it comes to working 90 hours a week. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. I, so, okay. So we have a few more questions. I asked my ladies on Instagram and in my Facebook group, you know, if they had any questions about business ownership and the entrepreneurial side. And of course they want to know about like taxes and healthcare and all that. So let's, let's just start with that. And then we'll get to like the other questions. So one of the questions was just like, how do you do taxes? How do you organize your paperwork? Like stuff like that. So do you have any advice for them on that kind of stuff? I'll be honest. I'm not great at it. And that's why I have a CPA. (laughs) I try to make it since I know it's not my niche, I pay somebody to do as much of it as possible. So is it, to me, it seems like as a self-employed person without a huge company, um, is it like overwhelmingly expensive to hire a CPA? Cause I have it in my head, like they're going to charge me like $20,000 and I don't even make that much in a year, <laughs> whatever. No. no, so mine, mine's not. Um, so, all right, let me back up. I do some of my taxes. Um, in North Carolina, we have a 7% sales tax that you have to report every month. 
but you don't actually have to pay it. So I do report that every month and it's uh, 7% of whatever I make. So like anytime I make something, I automatically don't even look at that 7%. I take it out. I put it in a separate banking account. Like that's it. That is not part of my taxes mm-hmm. for the business. And this is where he gets involved. And I have no idea. I, again, I don't know the line between my personal taxes and my business taxes. Cause honestly, I let him take that. I can tell you how much I've made in a month. And I can tell you, like, I usually take 30% of whatever I make out in a month and I put it in a savings account. And I know that's going to go towards business taxes and personal taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, And he communicates with me once a month, usually to poke me and say, girl, get your sales tax in. (laughs) I will go in with him and have my paperwork for every month is like a summary I do of how much I made, what my expenses were. And I'll give him all of that for 2019. I'll also give him my mileage and like magic it's done. Mm -hmm. He only charges me about like 150 or 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. So it depends kind of on the year and what kind of shenanigans I bring to him. Um, (laughs) I do keep receipts but I've also gone to another reason why I use credit cards is because I have a very specific credit card for business and I have a specific credit card for personal. And mm-hmm. um, I, even though I keep my receipts, I know if I lose one, since on that business card is only business stuff, it acts as a continuous log for receipts. Yeah. And I do all these things because I know that the last thing I want to do is deal with numbers. So Mm -hmm. I make systems that work for me that I can put in place and only have to think about it minimally because I don't like numbers, but (laughs) I like numbers a little bit. Anyway, that's kind of it. (laughs) I love talking about budgeting and all of that. And I love, you know, making a good spreadsheet and everything. But when it comes to my own budget, very rarely am I just like, let's linger and like really enjoy this. Usually I'm just like, okay, bam, bam, bam. Things yep. are paid. Money's transferred. Okay. Goodbye. Yep, yep. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll just get like an itch and I'll just sit and like, let's figure this number and let's figure that number. Um, and I love talking about money and stuff like that, but like actually doing the work is, you know, kind of a different yeah. story. Yeah. And CPAs are good too, because just like legally it changes, it changes the year from year. So whenever you're doing the tax programs or whatever, they're not going to save you money like a CPA would. I get back way more money for the amount of money that he saves me in terms of what I can write off and what I can't write off. So I think it's absolutely a necessity if you're a small business and you don't want to get trouble with the IRS. No, I've been, I've been in trouble with the IRS before. (laughs) Yeah, It's not fun. Not fun. It's not fun. I just a little bit of income that I genuinely forgot to report my bad. And they came back like three years later and they sent me a very not friendly piece of mail. And I was like, Oh, oops. I really forgot about that. So, you know, they'll, they're, they're not always friendly. Um, so, so, okay. So since we're kind of talking about the not fun stuff, so let's talk a little bit more about what people can expect as far as like healthcare and retirement and all of that, just super fun stuff if they are pursuing being self-employed. Uh, okay. So healthcare is what's worse than taxes, healthcare. <laughs> healthcare. So um if I get into if I have a health emergency, I probably will be in trouble. Um so let's knock on wood right now. Yeah. But, um, you need to find something wood so you can knock on it. I got it. I found something. So yeah, I I do have health insurance. I get it through the health place market right now because I think my premiums would be like 450 without any help. I don't accept the full amount of premium tax cuts because that can bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you accept the full amount and they find that you've made more money than you estimate, you actually have to pay it back. So Ugh. they try to overestimate what I'll make. So that way I won't have to pay it back. And I do health insurance. This is such a bad plan. Don't do what I do. Um, I do health insurance like every other year mm-hmm. and I'll go get all my checkups done for a year. And then the next year I won't go and get checkups done, which is totally not what you're supposed to do, but it's what I do. It's, it's kind of realistically where we are in life. Yeah. Um, I lived in a country where healthcare was taken care of by the government 
and it worked really well. I had a surgery over there that was, it would have been $15,000 over here and it was $800 there. So it is what it is. I know lots of my colleagues go without health insurance. I am of the age now where I have to start washing out for stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm just doing every other year. And, um, you know, uh, health insurance is so personal. I think that that's the only advice. I mean, it's tough right now. Health insurance is one of those things that if, if I get in trouble medically, I will probably have to go back to the corporate world. Yeah. I mean, that's a big, it's a, it's a big thing for us, especially, you know, with yeah. five people. Yeah. Um, and my husband, you know, he has, he has great insurance through his job. And I mean, we pay, we pay a good bit, but he has great insurance through his job. And mm -hmm. that is one of his biggest fears. One of my biggest fears of when he eventually retires mm -hmm. and we want him to retire at like 45, 50, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm we're still going to be pretty young. Like we're going to still have a lot of life and that's when we're going to, I feel like need it the most, yeah. if, you know, in a way. And so we're terrified to like not have health insurance because honestly, like we still pay a lot with health insurance and we're just oh, yeah. like, geez, Louise. I mean, we had three babies and really good insurance and mm -hmm. it was still expensive. And I'm just like, how that is one of our biggest fears and biggest concerns is we're going to have to be financially well, well off enough that you'll be able we're going to, yeah, we'll be able to take care of that because I can't even imagine like doing that right now. No. And I mean, I, like we grew up without insurance and somehow we survived. So, but things were different. <laughs> yeah, no, the, I feel like the inflation really hasn't really, it's yeah. been the past, like maybe 10 years where we've yeah. seen just crazy crazy prices. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it changes from year to year. So who knows? Sure. So what about retirement? And you talked a little bit about investing yes. and all of that. So what is your take on that for self-employed people? So I definitely think that you have to have some form of retirement a plan. And I'll be honest, mine isn't super beefy right now because I just got out of debt a year ago. And also I made a promise to myself that I would not go back into debt while running the business. Yes. So I do have like you know, a couple hundred dollars in retirement fund and I am thinking about it and planning for it. I also think for me in particular, I'm never going to retire mm -hmm. because I love what I do. Yeah. So I just don't see myself getting up one day and being like, I don't feel like making art anymore. You know, yeah. so I think uh, while I am saving for it and planning for it to have a comfortable life and maybe ease off of stuff, mm -hmm. I'm working my retirement plan a little bit differently for the fact that I think that how always, you know, I make something, I don't want it to sit in my house. I want it to sell. Like I want it to go to someone who will love it as much as I do. So that is my thoughts on it. I do have a retirement fund right now and I will contribute to it always yeah and, and like I think it's fun I think that kind of thing like ETFs which is smart the stock market stock market thing those are fun to play with they're definitely not retirement but it's yeah. a little, little something, little, something little acorns everywhere um, yeah I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and what I've seen in my personal life is that it's one of those things that if the government or your employer mm -hmm. doesn't organize it or mandate it, you don't do it. And I mean, that was, that's my personal, like what I've grown up around as, as far as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, no one made me contribute to this 401k. So oops, I don't have any retirement. And it's just like, well, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you just work till you die. And that's just how it is. And yeah. I'm just like, I don't like that answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're right too. That's why I do have something and not able to start contributing more to it. Um, I think it's the first year, if you survive, then you have like a 50% chance of actually staying open and it gets slimmer and slimmer. The third year, the third year it drops off steeply. Like if you make it to your third year, you're going to do pretty well. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. And I'm also choosing the money that could be going into my retirement at the moment is 
being reinvested back into my business. Eventually I'll have the things that I want for my business and I won't do that as much. The fact that you are even setting aside tax money is like a foreign concept <laughs> to me as far as like what I've been, what I've grown up around. So, you know, yeah. um, just the fact that you have that discipline, I think is really, um, inspiring and motivating that like not all, not all entrepreneurs have to be like, no idea where their money's going. Oh, well, just struggle. This is just normal when you're self-employed, you right, know? Right. Um, and that's what I've seen a lot of. And I think that's a lot of what, what stops people from becoming self-employed, right. you know, taking a passion project and turning it into an income is that we've seen a lot of those examples of like, well, you just struggle and that's what being self-employed is like, and you pay your taxes late and you don't have any retirement and mm -mm. You, know, you have no healthcare and it's going to be terrible. Yeah. And I think that, I think that fear is what stops a lot of people. Right. So we did have a couple of questions about one person was saying, you know, that she was thinking about starting an at home business and which is what I hear a lot. Cause a lot of my followers are moms. And so a lot of them want to do, you know, stuff from home and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they just don't know where to start. And like, especially when it comes to the money aspect and it comes to all of those fears and all those things, and it just seems super overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone like that who wants to start something at home? They don't know where to start. They're terrified. Um, what's your advice for them? Oh man, write a business plan. Write a, yeah. Take the time, write a business plan. I think download, I think it's like three bucks. It's a template for a business plan. And I mean, there's, there's free templates all over the place, honestly. Like it's, it's very easy to find a, a business plan because like I said, but budgeting is a plan. Everything is a plan write a business plan, be realistic about it. Um, be realistic about what you want to do too. I have a business plan. I review it probably every six months and it keeps me totally on track. In fact, I refer to it more than that because if I'm in a challenging headspace where I'm like, nah, I don't, I think I might give up or whatever. I always refer back to that because not only is my business plan like a hub for ideas for me to press further or like move forward it's also there to reassure me that like okay I've thought about if it's a good business plan you've thought about every scenario and this is what you would do so a lot of times it is the foundation of a business and I cannot stress how important I mean writing and I, I talk to a lot of people and they're like I've got it in my head I've got it in my head it is so different to put it on paper like it's, yeah. there is just something psychologically about putting your plan on paper that makes it real and it, yeah. like it makes it attainable somehow. That's my biggest piece of advice, you know, and if it's a good business plan, it'll have an analyzation of like what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. It will have budget built in there. Mine has a budget in mine. It has your mission and your values and that kind of thing. And so I think it's really important to start with a business plan and then see where you go from there. Yeah. I have never, like I, I did a business plan like in college for a pretend business, mm -hmm. but I haven't actually done a real one. And I've always thought of like my idea of business plans are like you do them to like get approved for a loan or like get funding for something. And so now you kind of like inspired me to want to, yeah. like, yeah, I should like actually have all of that stuff written down oh, yeah. because like, like you said, like, yeah, it's in my head. I know. Like mm -hmm. if you ask, like, if you were to ask me, like, what is your 10 year plan for your business and how are you going to grow? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I could sit here and tell you all of it. Right. But like, I don't, I don't have all that written down. No, dude, you should. It's even as like, even to refer to it, like mm -hmm. I have one section in my business plans opportunities and it's a mm -hmm. list of things for when times get slow for selling art where I can go through and be like oh I can have like a patron art actually my business plan is fun I'm not gonna lie it's amazing it's really fun to read through but yeah like that is something that's like super invaluable yeah. you should totally now I, need to, now I need to do that I'll, I'll put that on my to-do list <laughs> Um, so another question we had, and I've actually heard this several times, so I'm glad that she, uh, reminded me to ask this was in this situation, both of the spouses, they have full-time jobs, but they want to 
start kind of doing like a side business and to eventually replace a full-time income, potentially like both incomes, I think is what she was saying. And she's just like, they want to start, but you know, they personally want to do a storefront, which I know is a little bit different than what you do. But I think their biggest fear was that risk of they're going to invest this money. They're going to invest this time. And you know, I mean, you know, the risk, yeah. the fear. Yeah. So what would you say to them? Storefronts are really tricky. Mm-hmm. And it is, again, it's all about planning, business plan. Mm-hmm. Again, so integral, especially for a storefront because storefronts have incredibly high overhead. It's mm-hmm. just a whole other ball game. Uh, financially, start putting money towards that storefront because they're going to need a good amount. Um, You can talk to investors if you want, but even before that too, when you do your business plan, I would definitely focus on like establishing the store as a brand right away. Mm -hmm. Because if you're able to establish that brand before you even have the storefront, it's already a win, you know? And so I think that's what I would concentrate on if I were them as the business plan and then start you know, even if they opened like a small online shop at first. Yeah. I think just, I mean, with the, the power of social media yeah, is what I tell people all the time. Like, I mean, Instagram and Facebook are free. Yeah. And I mean, you can go on there and talk on your stories all day long. Yeah. And I mean, in newspapers, you have to pay like hundreds of dollars to get something in print that somebody's going to throw away the next day. Yep. And you can go on Facebook and post something for free every yeah. single day yeah. <laughs> and show people the ins and outs of your business, the behind the scenes, brand it, let make them feel like they know you, you know, all these things that you yeah. can do. Yeah. Or, and even like, let them sh- see what the process is like, take them on a journey for you yeah. to, you know, start doing the storefront business, like take a start taking them through even the beginnings of it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like, I, like I follow you on Instagram because I want to see your art. Yeah. Like I want to see, I want to see what you're doing. I want to feel like I know you feel like I know your art. You know what I mean? Like go on that yeah. journey and that experience with you. Yeah. And, and like what you said, when we jumped on the call, like, I mean, I've seen pictures of your girls, like people, you know, yeah. they, want, they want to know you Yeah. things like that. Yep. So I just feel like, you know, the power of social media where we live in an amazing age for stuff like that. Yeah. So it's super like important and especially if run with it. Yeah. If you're going to open a storefront, the best thing for it is reputation, word of mouth, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, having worked in a, in a brick and mortar art gallery now, um, that's really been an education in terms of how brick and mortars work and how different they are and how I think she said you need something like 80 people to walk in a week for you to stay in business every year I don't know where she got that statistic from yeah but that doesn't sound like a lot but it's a ton of people when you work at a art gallery where people walk by and they're like well that's fancy stuff I don't know if I can go in there you know (laughs) yeah be aware to do your research markets are Local markets are extremely important. Really looking at who is in town and mm-hmm. not viewing the competition as competition, but as collaborators. Mm-hmm. The gallery I work at is really great about collaborating with other galleries around town and just being in the community because community with storefronts are key. Well, community in any capacity is key. Um, The stronger your community, the stronger you're going to be because you'll have backup, you'll have friends, family, whatnot. I I can't emphasize in anything you do how important community is. Yeah, for sure. So what about the idea of like, I mean, I know you spoke about doing the business plan and all of that, but do you have any advice on like how much cash people should have on hand? Because I mean, usually we're talking about people who are already you know, trying to just pay their regular bills, trying to like get out of debt, support their family, things like that. And now they want to start this other thing that's going to cost money. What kind of advice do you give them for like having cash to actually start the project? So I got really lucky. My particular business had very low overhead. And when um, I quit my corporate job, I actually had a gob of extra money which is like <laughs> gone now, but it went to very good things. Um, it's different for every business. Mm-hmm. I had, when I quit 
my job, I had an extra 10,000 saved and immediately 3,000 of that went to various things. It went to yeah. uh, CPA, went to a lawyer, registration for my business, and I got a new computer. So actually it was like yeah. four grand. But I already had a ton of my supplies because I'd been doing art the entire time. And I already had a place to do my artwork. So in that sense, I had super low overhead. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that, you know, I think the biggest thing to take out of this is just know where you are and know where you want to be and plan for that. You know, yeah, that's it. That's building that gap between where you are, where you want to be. Yeah. I think that's good advice. So what about determining prices, which I think is also a big fear that people have? What kind of advice do you have? Because obviously that's going to differ between what you're actually selling and what services you're offering yeah. and things like that. But what advice do you give to people who are letting that hold them back? Ugh, okay, so I'm still working on it. But basically, it's know your worth. Like know mm -hmm. that you have expertise and experience in that. For me, I'm definitely still figuring that out a little bit. In terms of art, I do like, I think it's like $2 per square inch. But pricing is really hard because it's tied into your confidence. And right. a lot of times, obviously, people aren't as confident. And um, it's hard. It's, it's scary. Hard. It is. So I think if you're if you're one of those people who kind of lacks that confidence, it's really important to assess your knowledge base and recognize your knowledge base and love that, recognize that and and make sure people are paying for that because you didn't work through your your family's first college degree to not yeah. get paid enough. And people get that too. I'm always shocked by like how people are like respond back to me. They're like, you are, I don't want to say an expert, but like you have a very large um, knowledge base on XYZ. And so, yes, of course I'm going to pay you. Yeah. And so I'm always like shocked by that. But when you are good at what you do, people want to recognize you for it. And in fact, they get a little weird when you don't want to recognize yourself for it. So I think that's really important to fall in line with. Yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of it is the confidence and, you know, I don't know. I feel like, especially as women, we're just like, oh, I mean, yeah, it's a hobby, you yeah. know, and we just like kind of shy away from it and we feel, you know, we feel guilty. And I think a lot of it is tied into your self-worth and, you know, doing again, like doing that hard work that goes between mm -hmm. it because like being an entrepreneur is literally putting yourself out there oh, yeah. for the entire world. Yep. And you just, I mean, you have to go through so many different phases and your headspace goes in so many different ways. It's just, you got to put yourself out there for the whole world. And mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, and she thinks that she's worth charging this much money. Mm -hmm. And you just feel like everyone is like judging everything you do. But also, I feel like that's not a reason to not do it, though. No, and I the mean, truth is, too, that they're not. People are worried about, yeah. you know, what you're thinking about them. Mm -hmm. So no one yeah. really cares. Just no. just do it. That's my advice. Just go yeah. for it. I just feel like life is too short to, like, not follow your passions. Right. Like, not do those, especially if it's over, like, a silly fear of, well, what if I charge the wrong amount? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Who cares? Like, pick a price, go with it, and then adjust later. Yep. <laughs> figure it out. It'll be all right. <laughs> It'll be fine. So what are some lessons that you have learned as an artist, as a entrepreneur, as a human <laughs> that you will take with you into the future? Oh man, that's a huge question. Well, I think the biggest thing I think is to keep learning stuff, you know, yeah. keep learning lessons and it's okay to take a loss. Yeah. That's okay. It happens to everybody. Yeah. I think a lot of people have issues with, you know, when they, they take a loss, they, they get really defensive and stuff like that. But I think we just re need to recognize that like every, it happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of what we touched on tonight has been like about risk and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is if you take a risk, sometimes it's not going to pan out and that's okay. You know, yeah. it's, it's okay that it doesn't pan out and it doesn't mean that you're any less valuable or anything. It's just, it could be 10 billion things, you know, timing's wrong or the stock market's plummeting or <laughs> like anything. For um, example, just a random example. You know, <laughs> So I think that's something that I'm going to definitely take into 
the future as I go through my journey of artwork and a bad stock market because yeah (laughs) gonna need that (laughs) I think that's amazing advice I think that that's a really good place to kind of wrap up because I feel like that's kind of leaving it on a on a high note and we talked about some some rough (laughs) topics some some scary topics tonight so um thank you so much for doing this and I know that you have a busy schedule and your time is so valuable. And so I really appreciate you hanging out with us and sharing all of your wisdom and all of that good stuff. Man, I don't know if it's wisdom, but thank it you for having me uh, Thank you for having me on. You're um, so welcome. It's been really fun and I love what you do. I think it's really important. Like I said, there is a literary gap in terms of like finance. Yeah. And so I think that you are helping to promote to bridge that gap and that's so admirable so thank you thank you yeah so I will link to um, some of the things that we mentioned I will link to your stuff so people can follow you and see your amazing work it is like legit intense (laughs) amazing (laughs) I'm just like yes so we were V and I were like fangirling because she's like you have to have Heather on your show and she was like she's so talented man like she's so talented I was like she's amazingly talented she's the best (laughs) she is my hype squad every day um so anyway okay so thank you so much and I'll link to everything and that is all for us yay bye everybody Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message. If you haven't already, please leave a review and subscribe. Reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye, guys.